0: You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn J Town. In this series, we're following Jesus as he calls us to take on his yoke so that we might experience true flourishing. Well, first of all, let me just say happy birthday. Um, it's been great to well, oh, you can clap, you don't have to clap either way. Um yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been great to be able to celebrate. I mean, watching that video and uh, not only celebrating what has been, but also even what you know as we're here today and and we're separated and we're wearing masks to see kind of kind of some of the loss that, that we're holding um, as we gather and know that someday we're going to be able to hug again. Right? I'm I'm never going to bring props, but someday we're going to hug again, and we'll never paint the church pink again. Um, so there's things to celebrate and things to mourn, and, and uh, someday we'll celebrate again. Um, so we are in the book of Matthew. Uh, in chapter 19, if you have your Bibles and you want to start getting to uh, the chapter, will be in 19, verses 16 through 30. We're continuing in this series of Matthew, where Jesus is, is trying to explain and paint a picture of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And so he he's been he's been doing that through these last couple chapters, and he's going to continue that today. And and if any if we do we have any painters in the room? Do we have any artists or painters in the room? Just a couple, few, maybe, none? I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, so we have some reluctant artists. All right, we got a few over there. That's great. Um, when you're painting a painting and you're and you're you're building kind of this picture, you build it in layers. There, there, you, you often start by washing the, back, the, the canvas, uh, preparing it with some clear white, and then you start building in colors, blocking it out. You do the background and you build it in layers. Um, and I like to think of myself as a, as a fan of Bob Ross before he was famous, right? I was, I was, you know, I could see some other people with gray hair who are shaking their heads, like, we loved Bob Ross before it was cool. My son has Bob Ross socks. And uh, I guess that's, that's cool these days. Um, but when, when I would watch Bob Ross as a child, one thing that he would do is he would build in these layers and he would, he would start with a background and it would be beautiful and he'd almost always add a mountain and then he'd add that, you know, the, the beautiful lake or stream. And it would seem like the painting was almost done. And then you know what he would do, right? He'd take that paintbrush and he'd just draw a big black line right down the center of it. And you'd be like, what are you doing? You know, like, it was beautiful, and you're covering up all this beauty. And then he would would begin to work it into a a tree. And then by the time he was done, you remember, he didn't make mistakes. He just had happy accidents, right? And so it was never a mistake. It always looked beautiful. But there was a moment where when I was looking at what he was doing, I was like, you're, you're destroying something beautiful that you're making. And so I say that today because as Jesus is building this picture of the kingdom, there are some moments where you're like, what is going on here? What is he saying at this moment? It 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 feels like it's kind of disrupting this beauty and this picture, and and this is one of those texts. Um, it's possible this morning that you are not going to enjoy this text that I'm about to read. Um, and why I say that is because the the central subject of this text. Is he's known as the rich young ruler. He does not enjoy what Jesus says in this text, and the disciples have a hard time. It is, they have a hard time with what Jesus is teaching in this text, and so it's possible that you may as well, but, but we want to come to the Scriptures with humility, allowing the Spirit to, to transform us and change us and to convict us so that we could walk uh, in the light of what Jesus has done for us. And so um, we're going to read the text with our anxieties now raised, but maybe our expectations lowered. We're going to go and read the text. Uh, so if you would like to stand for the reading, you can. Uh, as well as we're seated, you can take off your masks um, if you feel comfortable. But uh, we're in Matthew 19, chapter, uh, verses 16 through 30. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus, uh, just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, there is only one who is good. And if you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he asked. And Jesus answered, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I have kept all these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? Well, if you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, Go sell your belongings and give them to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished and asked, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter responded, so we have left everything and followed you, so what will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, Then everyone who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Pray with me. Uh, Father, we, we see the disciples are astonished by your words. We see the rich young ruler walk away. Father, Lord, humble us in this moment. Soften our hearts that we would be able to receive what you're saying, that it would change us for the better, that we become more like you. Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so so the setup pretty clear here that, uh, that, that, that Jesus is saying something that is astonishing, even to his own disciples. It seems odd, like this seems like a softball, doesn't it? We have evangelists in the room, doesn't it seem like this guy just offered up a softball? He comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to, to earn eternal life? And for most of us, we'd be like, man, we got the four spiritual laws. We know how we're gonna nail this out. This is, this is gonna be over the fence. But Jesus doesn't do that, and it seems like maybe he missed an opportunity, and and so it it begs the question, what's happening here? What what is Jesus doing here? And so I think what he's doing is he's building one of these layers for us, one of these layers, this beautiful picture of what the kingdom is, and we're going to address three things. We're going to address how the kingdom of God is different uh, in its entry, in its economy, and in its reward. So if you're someone who likes to take notes, we're going to talk about the difference in the kingdom from its entry, its economy, and its reward. But as we do that, we can't get away from this main theme of Jesus' message here, the main theme of the text. And it's in verse 23. Jesus said, this is the one that makes us, makes us uncomfortable. He said, truly, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, God, the kingdom of heaven. And he repeats it. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom. So whenever you see repetition in scripture, you know that, that God is trying to make a point. Like it, when the, the repetition is to draw us to that idea um, and, and emphasize it. And we're, we're often, we're, we've become so good at taking a text like this and being able to, to um, sanitize it in a way that it's more palatable. But at the end of the day, Jesus is saying it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And we have to reckon with it. So let's start by looking at who this, who this man is. Because if you have the CS, CSB, uh, which is in our, our pews, um, the heading is rich young ruler, but it doesn't say that in the text. So how do we know that this man is a rich young ruler? Well, in verse 22, it tells us he's rich. He has lots of possessions. Verse 20, um, he he responds as the young man. So we know that he's young and we know that he's a ruler, not from this text, but because Luke also records this uh, interaction and he is referred to as a young ruler. And so what that means is that this guy's arrived. Right This is someone who has, who has uh, an entrepreneur who has built his own company and he's still young. He's still considered young, um, but he has, um, he has wealth, he has youth, uh, and he has dominion. He's a ruler, so he has control over his world and his life. And a lot of the times, when we look at a text like this and we think, well, well, I'm not rich, so this doesn't apply to me. But the question is, do we have those things Maybe? Some of us in here don't have the youth part, but do we, do we fit the rest of this description? And so what is it for you that, that you would define as making it in your life? Like, like, what do you look forward to? Maybe you're there. Maybe you've achieved it. And when I was a kid, this may seem funny, but when I was a kid, I enjoyed crushed ice. I like crushed ice in my drinks and my Kool-Aid. I like crushed ice and orange juice, which I know will probably be controversial. I might get an email on that. Um, but I like crushed ice, and uh, I didn't have one of those fridges where you could get crushed ice, and so I would take cubes out of the tray, I'd put them in a plastic bag, and I would hit them with a a mallet and crush them up, and then I would pour the ice and uh, probably bits of plastic back into my drink. (laughs) Um, And so when I would go to a friend's house that had a fridge that you could just put a cup in there, and crushed ice would come in your cup, I was like, man, that's it. When I get a fridge... That has crushed ice. I will have made it. Um, I was not. I, I, I did not have crushed ice in my fridge until I was forty. By the way, um, so some of you who grew up with that, like I, it took me forty years um, to get there. And I think the I think the water line broke uh, a couple weeks after I got it. Um, but what is it for you? Is it a job? Is it, is it something in your, like your household? Is it control over your household? Um, is, it, is it success? Um, is it a bass boat? What is that success? Because that's what, this, that's what this guy has. And I want us to be able to relate, because I think we're supposed to relate to this man. That's why the disciples are so distraught with the statement, because they say, who could be saved if this is true? And we may not consider ourselves rich, but we we live, most of us live in the suburbs of Louisville here in J-Town. We live in America where we have control over so much of our world. We have ownership where most of the world doesn't even have ownership, let alone a home and a vehicle. And, and just the ability to control your life. And so, you may not think of yourself as someone who has a kingdom, but whether you're 12 or 70, you have some domain that you're responsible for. Uh, my kids share a bedroom; they don't have their own bedroom, but they have they have a bunk within that room, and they have their own desk within that room. And they, you know, there's some domain. They, their brothers and sisters are not supposed to go and mess with their with their desk. They have they have a little kingdom right that they're responsible for and some of you maybe that's all you have but some of you you know you have homes and you have families and you have jobs and you have some form of domain i want you to think about that what you're responsible for you, you know the, the sphere of your life that you're in control of and not just your things but also your thoughts and your convictions and your opinions those are all part of your domain and it makes and it's important to understand that when we when we talk about why this This guy has such a hard time with the kingdom of of God. We want to identify with this man because Jesus says it's difficult for him to enter the kingdom. The text gives us, I think, two reasons why it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. One is that the entry is unlike anything else in the world. Getting into the kingdom of God is not like how you get into any other kingdom in this world. And the economy once you're in this kingdom is completely different. Here, let me show you what I mean. This man comes to Jesus and he says, "What must what good must I do to have eternal life?" That's his question. What can I do to attain eternal life? And some of you may be asking that question whether you're today or you're tuning in online, you may be asking that question, "What good must I do to attain this?" And for someone like this man, as he looks at the world, he sees that everything is, is attainable. Um, if I work hard enough, if I do the right things, I can attain it because he's, he's grown up in a life as a rich, young ruler. He's grown up in a world where he can attain anything he puts his mind to. Does that sound familiar? Does that f- sound familiar to the messages that, we, that we've heard our whole lives living in America? You can, you can attain anything you want. If you just work hard, you can become anything you want to become. That's, what this, that's the, the world this man lives in. It's the world we live in. And he wants the formula. I've done this a uh, hundred times. I just need the formula and I can do it. And that's typical for someone who's accustomed to winning. That's typical of someone who's accustomed to being successful through hard work and determination. And what Jesus, what Jesus does in his response is, is he, he kind of throws him a curveball, and it's a foreshadow of, 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 of the answer to this question. He says, why do you ask me what is good? And clearly he's foreshadowing here that, that when it comes to salvation, there's no good that we can do to earn salvation. We know this, all the fallen short of the glory of God, that, that we can't actually do anything to earn salvation. But, but for someone like this and someone like us, that requires dependence upon someone else. It requires dependence on Jesus. Not only dependence, but trust that what he's saying and who he says he is is true. And that is extremely difficult from a position of being always wealthy and young and in power. And so for us, we can relate to this idea to be dependent on someone else, to trust someone else is very difficult. We prize in our world. We prize independence. We prize our rights. And it's so easy for us to be accustomed to being able to earn anything that we want to earn. And Jesus says... Man, if, if that's the only way that you can engage with, with, with the kingdom of the world, it's not going to work in the kingdom of God. You can't earn your way in here. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus says it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom because they only have one, um, one paradigm with which to enter. But he also obliges the question, Right. He doesn't just say, he just doesn't stop him there and say, well, you can't earn your way in. He does something interesting. He, he points him to the law. And technically, it is true that if you could keep the law perfectly, you could earn eternal life. If you could, if you could perfectly keep the law. And so Jesus points him to that law. And it's what's funny is that he responds with the question, well, well which ones? Which Which one of the commandments? Anybody of you have kids out there? They want to have a little screen time. They want to play the Xbox. You say, well, have you done your chores? And the kids are like, well, which ones, dad? What do you mean, which ones? Like all of them. That's why they're chores. The whole point is do your chores and you can earn some time with the Xbox. Which ones? What are you talking about? But Jesus is a little kinder than me. Um, and so he elaborates for him, and, and uh, you can see it in the text. He says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father, your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. What's interesting about that list? Do you notice that there aren't 10 things on that list? He only brings out six, and actually one of them he summarizes. So this list comes from Exodus and Deuteronomy, but the love your neighbor... As yourself actually comes from Leviticus, and he skips four of the of the of the commandments. Now, one of the things that Jesus does later on, I think it's in verse, I think it's in chapter twenty, um, is that he summarizes the greatest. They ask him, "What is the greatest commandment?" And he says, "The first commandment is to love the Lord, your God, with all your soul, strength, heart, and mind, mind and strength." Um, and two is to love your neighbor as yourself. So he he takes the ten commandments and he summarizes them into two, okay? And some would argue from this that, that, that maybe what's happening here is that Jesus knows that there's idolatry in this man's heart, and so he intentionally leaves out the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But that doesn't make sense in the context, because when he doubles down, he, he doubles down with love for neighbor, doesn't he? And so, what's happening here is that is that Jesus is pointing out to this man that that um, what he thinks is is um, keeping the law, what he thinks as 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 being righteous before God is not is not complete. It's not perfect. I think he's making a point, um, emphasizing this second part: love the Lord, uh, love your neighbor as yourself as the area that this man is deficient. You see, the economy of, of the kingdom is different than the economy in this world. To help you understand that, currency in our, in our economy, what is it? It's, it's money, right? The almighty dollar, right? If we want security, what do we do? We invest that Maybe we invest that in assets or or other investments and and, and try to build wealth through doing that. And if we build that wealth and we have that security, it gives us freedom. Freedom to do what we want to do and buy what we want to buy, right? It's kind of, that's how our economy works. And it's fair to say that that's the economy that this man is used to, and it's the economy that you and I live in. But, But the economy of God is different, and that's what I think he's pointing at here, is that the currency... Um, in God's kingdom is not money, it's love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. That love is what makes things happen and go round in God's kingdom. And our security is not found in the things that we have or the investments we make, but the the security is in the promises of Jesus. Our security is in Christ. The return on that investment is amazing. 100 to 1, that's 10,000% right? You don't have any investments in your 401k portfolio that would would come anywhere near the investment in God. And when we make that investment and we see that return, the freedom, rather than the freedom to just do whatever we want, the freedom is to be generous, The freedom, is, if we're secure in Christ, we have this freedom that that we can be generous with other people, that we can be generous with our assets, and not just our assets in terms of things and money, but but our life, our, our hearts, and our time, that we can be generous with other people because we're secure in Christ. We don't have to worry about losing everything because it can't be lost. That's an investment that can never be lost, and we're okay with this to a point right we like this idea yeah we like the we like the word generosity because it's vague <laughs> so i love the idea yes I, like i can be generous but but i love the vagueness of the generosity in jesus he just he does that thing where he crosses a line that we're uncomfortable with And he doesn't just cross it with his foot on the brake he crosses it as he's shifting gears <laughs> He says, he says, not only be generous, he says, but, but sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. If you want to be perfect, if you want to understand what I mean when I say, love your neighbor as yourself, I don't mean smile and wave. I mean, treat your neighbor as yourself. If you need something, you will get it for yourself. If your neighbor needs something, get it for them. Whatever that is, maybe that's your time. Maybe that's, maybe that's just sharing your life with them, but sometimes it's your stuff. And a couple weeks ago, like I know this makes us uncomfortable, right? Because a couple weeks ago, we had a conversation about justice. And in that conversation about justice, um, Lyle brought up this idea of, of generosity, of, of, of our stuff being part of that conversation. And to be honest, it shook some of us. It made some of us very uncomfortable. How do I know? Because some people spoke up, which is great. That's totally fine. And I know if some people spoke up, I know a lot of people were thinking it and they were uncomfortable. And what I want to say is this is a place where you can be uncomfortable with that thought. Jesus didn't promise us a life of comfort. Jesus promised us that he would be a comfort in those uncomfortable times. And so it's okay for us to wrestle with that. It's okay for us to be uncomfortable, but we can't deny the clear teaching here that when Jesus talks about loving our neighbor as ourselves, he generally means more than what we think he means. His his standard for what that looks like is much higher than the standard that you and I have. I mean, if you think about this young man, he believes he was doing that, right? Right? So when when someone says love your neighbor like yourself, our our response often is, and it's mine too. I'm in you with this. Is that I'm often oftentimes defensive. I'm like, well, yeah. Look at me. I have done some things for my neighbors. I have cared for people in need. Like, don't try to tell me I need to do more because I'm doing a great job. Well, that's the same response that this rich young ruler had. He didn't. He not only says that I I've done, I'm doing that. He's saying. I've always done this. Some translations add, I have kept all of these from my youth. His entire life, he sees his life as, as a perfect keeping of this command. And yet, and yet, Jesus says, That's, you, you think you're generous from the, from the eyes of the world, but I'm talking about a different kingdom with a different economy. One that says that you can love people beyond what you can imagine because you're secure in me. And let me just say, like, like 2020 has been hard, has it not? 2020 has been difficult and, and we've had to deal with, we've had to deal with COVID-19 and masks. And you're like, man, please don't talk about that. And we've had to deal with the issues of justice and and racial inequality. And you're like, please don't talk about that. And, and what's happened is, is that as, as this stress and strain has been brought kind of, kind of all in one year, what, what's happening is, is we're getting shook up a little bit. And as we know, out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. And, and there's things that we've said, and there's things that we've thought, and we haven't, we haven't necessarily articulated. But there's things that have come out that we haven't always been proud of. Think about right now, what in this last three months has made you angry? What's got your knickers in a twist? What's made you want to just get on Twitter and just flame everybody? I mean, I've had stories where I've talked with people, people I love, people that are part of our family that that, that were telling me stories and thinking that they were justified in, in in berating a Costco worker because they were requiring them to wear a mask. Like, it's like a 20-year-old, like, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but they, they didn't make that rule. Their boss made that rule, and they're just trying not to get fired and, like, when is it right for a Christian to do that, to berate somebody who's just trying to do their job? You can agree with the, the rules or not, but we do have this opportunity to love one another. And when we get shaken, like we've been shaken in 2020, we have this opportunity not to not to necessarily feel shame, but an opportunity to see, man, what's going on in here? What's happening? Why am I so opposed to that conversation? Why do I not want to hear about other people's experience in this world? And it gives us an opportunity to submit our kingdom. All those things, all those things that make us angry, kind of reveal where we've started to build up walls, to rebuild our fiefdom, if you will, to rebuild our kingdom. And Jesus is inviting us, even through this test, to say, to say don't hold on to your kingdom. Come into mine because in my kingdom, you're, you're free from all those worries, all the, that anxiety that leads us to kind of boil over and, and frustration and, and be unwilling to listen and talk to one another and, and care for other people. Like once we're secure in Christ, all those things become a lot easier. See, the summary of what's happening here is that the rich young ruler is coming to Jesus and he's saying, I want to attain eternal life because my life's pretty good. I'm young, I'm rich, and I have authority. I want to keep this rolling. Can you give me eternal life to add to what I already have? Jesus says, it doesn't work that way. And you might be looking at this text, well, how do you know that that's the, that's the posture that this guy has? I mean, think about it. If I were to offer you today and say, I can guarantee you eternal life, no no doubt, you don't have to, it doesn't require any faith. You don't have any doubts that you have to deal with. I'm just going to give you a Willy Wonka golden ticket. And all you have to do is sell your beat up Corolla and your golf clubs and you can have it. You'll never have to worry again. I mean, wouldn't you do it if you didn't love this life? But he loves his life. And so his stuff means more to him than anything else. And he can't even imagine something greater than the life he has. And that's the invitation to us. He says he turned away because he had many things. And you and I have many things. Friends, the good news is, <laughs> in this is that, is that the disciples struggled with this as well. And Jesus says in response to their questions who could be saved because it puts us in this place of gosh I can't live up to this. And Jesus says well with man it's impossible but with God anything's possible. And there's two points that he's making here. The first is we don't have to be perfect because Jesus was. He lived the life you should have lived, he died the death you should have died. He rose, conquering Satan, sin, and death, and and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And in doing that, he was the perfection that we need. And so there is a relief and a freedom that comes from the reality that there is no formula. There's nothing that you can do to earn your way into the kingdom. The entry into the kingdom of God is through Jesus. And he offers that freely to every one of us. And if you're stuck in a cycle this morning of trying to earn God's love, or you're trying to, trying to, to continue to earn um, uh, your, your citizenship in the kingdom, I want to give you the freedom to just relax and trust God. Trust Jesus. Believe in what, uh, who he is and what he's done. You don't have to earn it. It's already been earned but what I don't want us to do is then dismiss this whole story as if it has nothing for us, because I don't think Jesus is doing that. It's clear he's not. Is why we don't have to be perfect. We're still called. We're called not to prove our love, not to earn our love, but to love one another, to love our neighbor in a way that reflects the love of Jesus, that goes beyond duty, that demonstrates the love that we've received, that comes out of the overflow of the love, overflow of that security that we have in Christ. And we're able to do this because not only has Christ secured our entry in, but he also has indwelt us with the Holy Spirit, that we don't have to operate like the world. We don't have to be transactional with our neighbors. My neighbor does not have to earn the right for me to love or to care or to help them, and they don't have to, to reciprocate that's not the, the deal. I'm so, I can be secure in Christ so that I can, I can just love one way because my, my, the, the source of my ability to love is a fountain that never empties. And that is the invitation for us. And it means this, that we'd be willing to inconvenience ourselves for one another. I know the message a couple of weeks ago was, was difficult. What do you mean that my neighbor owns my tractor? But what it means is that, is that we would treat our stuff as if, if our neighbor really needed something, that we would offer it to them to help them. If you loved yourself and you needed something, you would go and you would get it. And if your neighbor needs it, you would go and, and lend it to them. Even if, even if the prospect is, well, he's kind of sketchy. I don't know if he's going to return it. Well it's okay. I'm secure in Christ. I'll find another tractor if I have to, because my life is not dependent on my stuff. My identity is not secured by my stuff. My identity is secured in Christ. So you don't have to go and give the pink slip of your car to your neighbor tonight. But if someone, if your neighbor needs a ride to the grocery store, give it to him. Inconvenience yourself, miss the ball game. Maybe you've got got a friend that that can't pay their mortgage because they lost their job due to COVID. And you're like, but we're going to go to Disney World. They opened it back up and you're going to have to lose a whole family vacation to help your friend. Help your friend. Because the reward is much greater than Disney. That's the invitation. It means we're willing to empathize with the pain of people, even if we don't fully understand their experience that we'd be willing to listen and not defend and not feel like, man, if, if I agree with what you're saying about, about things that might be wrong in our society, then, then, I have to, then I have to admit that I've been wrong for the last 30 years. Who cares? Who cares? Like, wouldn't you rather be right now than to try to defend your, your views for the last 20 years? Wouldn't it be better to just, to just align with God and align with what he's calling us to do. We don't need to defend the kingdom of God. The only time we need to defend is when we're defending our own fragile kingdoms. But God's kingdom is secure. He's a rock that cannot be moved. So if this rattles you this morning, if you're struggling with this, it's okay. I struggle with this. We're in good company too because Peter struggles with this, right? Right? Peter's listening to this and he's saying, well, wait a minute. If it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, um, what's, what's in it? What's, what's happening for us? If, if the only way to, to enter the kingdom of God is through your miraculous work, then what do we sacrifice for? Is there any reward for our sacrifice? And Jesus says, well, yeah, truly I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits in this glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones. Now he's talking about the disciples here. I don't think we're going to get thrones. Um, Judging the 12 tribes in Israel. But this is us. Verse 29. Everyone who has left houses. That's some of your stuff. Brothers, sisters, fathers and mothers. Relationships or children's or your fields. Right? Loss of equity. Loss of of assets. But if you do that because of my name, you will receive a hundred times more and will have eternal life. See, the kingdom of God has a different reward. It's deferred, and we don't like deferred rewards. We like instant gratification. When COVID hit and it took 48 hours for me to get batteries from Amazon, I was frustrated. I was like, what what does it take 48 hours to get batteries from 20,000 miles away? You know, like, why does it take so long, right? We're so used to instant gratification, but many times the best rewards are worth waiting for. And this is the case. That when, the, when all things are renewed, when either Jesus returns or we go to be with Jesus, we're going to receive a reward. And it's going to be better than any reward we've ever received. It's abundant. He said that's a hundred times what we've sacrificed we'll receive back. That's a 10,000% return on your investment. That's amazing. What that means is we cannot imagine, we cannot fathom the reward in heaven for obedience to God. And that's something that this rich man could not fathom. He couldn't imagine something would be better than being young, rich, and in power. And some of us look at that and say, "Ah, can it be better than that? Jesus promises it will be. It will be better than that. And finally, it's eternal. That no matter how good your life is today, wanting wanting to continue this into eternity would be a mistake. Nothing will compare to eternity with Jesus. And he concludes with this encouragement. It's what I'll conclude with, he says, But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And so you can read that. Is that an encouragement? Well, if you think you're first, this is probably not an encouragement. If you if you have yourself on a pretty high pedestal, this may not be an encouragement, but for the most of us I think we recognize that as we look at God's word, we say, We have so much room to grow. Like like Paul, we feel that we're least in the kingdom. And he says, be encouraged because the last will be first. See, the world's not going to understand a sacrificial life. It doesn't get it. Why would you sacrifice for someone who's done nothing for you, that there's no possibility of return? Why would you do that? It will be seen as weak, weakness to to be willing to listen and not just defend yourself at every turn, that you would actually listen to other people, that you would actually sacrifice for other people. It's going to be seen as weak. And you may be doing that already, you may be living this life, and you may wonder if anyone notices, and I just want to say that God does. He says it here, he knows, he's he's keeping a track. That he sees you, he sees the way that you make those sacrifices, he invites you to do it more, to invest in the kingdom, the kingdom to come, not the kingdom that's here, and our reward will be great in heaven. And what a beautiful promise that is, amen? We celebrate that promise at the end of every service by taking communion, and someday we will again take communion with the bread and wine and juice, but we are now taking it with our, our little prepackaged cups. Um, and so if you open up the lid, you can take out the wafer inside, and, and we, we take that together, being reminded that, that the freedom that we have received was purchased through the broken body of Jesus Christ. That he took our place. His body was broken. And 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 we take the, the juice, reminding that his blood is the one that covers our sins, gaining us entry into the kingdom of God. And so we celebrate that together, whether we're here or whether we're home. Let me pray. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church J Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com JTown.